Hi, welcome to Claybrook Chats with Barb. As we sit here in Claybrook and chat, I will introduce you to some of my creative and interesting friends who live in a small community in Northeastern Ohio. Hopefully as we chat, you'll learn something new or educational, maybe humorous, but always positive. My goal is to have you pause at the end and say, wow, I didn't know that. And just maybe you will tell some of your friends and family about it and come back and listen to my next Claybrook chat. Talk to you later. Bye. Today is Flashback Tuesday, where we chat about local businesses that are no longer around. I have two members of the Figley family here today to reminisce about the world-famous Figley's Shamrock Inn. I want to welcome Joe Figley III and his grandson, Timmy, who are ready to chat about all the good times that were shared at the Shamrock Inn. Well, hello, Timmy and Joe Figley. Uh, We're here today to talk about something that's uh, been a big part of your family all along, and that is the Figley's Shamrock Inn, which used to be in downtown East Palestine, right on the main street. So today, since this is kind of like Flashback Tuesday, uh, tell me a little bit about it. Tell me your memories. We're going to talk about some of the celebrities that visited, some of the people that are regulars. And uh, we can come along with the thing about Bigley Shamrock Inn. It's where everybody knows your name. And everybody also knew everything you did while you were there. So, so welcome. Good morning. Sam. Good morning. <laughs> yeah. Glad to be here. This is really exciting. You've got a, an awesome podcast. Excited to hear about how many listeners you have. And this is going to be exciting because it's going to walk a lot of people down memory lane, I think. Good. So let's start out. Um, My father, father Joe Figley, Nancy, they started this 1984. And it truly is and was the place like Cheers. <laughs> and everybody loved Cheers. Yeah. Well, that's what it was. Downtown East Palestine. Mm-hmm. Everybody knew your name. Uh, they loved people. They were people. They were people, people. people. Per- yeah, yeah, people, person. Yeah. Person, yeah. people, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Well, did he have any experience uh, tending bar before? He did. He was uh, took care of Neil's uh, on the highway there, bartended, managed the place for a while. Yeah. That's another place I'll have to get oh, somebody yeah. to talk That's about. That's another story by that, itself, isn't that it? That was the elite yeah. place yeah. to go for yeah. your meals and your drinks. It yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. so it was just a bar with a little kitchen in it. Then he expanded it. To the next building and made a restaurant mm-hmm. and so went from there as the as the uh, years went by he was one of the first to actually put outdoor patio on we built a barbecue out back and people during the summer spring and the fall they would go out there and you know and smoke and enjoy you know yeah. having a beer on the nice days and nights so tim yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, so so he, he was at Neil's and then, uh, he, you know, he always envisioned he wanted a place to entertain. Right. So he was at Neil's in 82, 83. And then in 84, August of 84, uh, he wanted to step out and have that place to entertain in his favorite spot, which was right downtown. East Palestine. Now, that was a bar before that, too, or that was a restaurant yes, or something. It was a bar before. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. Actually, for many, many years. 
Harry's Grill. Harry's Grill. Yeah. See, that's before my time. I don't remember that at all. But I was a Unity kid, so okay. I didn't get to come to the big city very often. <laughs> but uh, okay, so once he got it started, then people just started coming. Correct. What kind of uh, food did they have? What kind of? Uh, they started out with the bar food. I think the first cook was Eileen Blake, and she was uh, very well known in the area as a cook. Yeah. And he got him up and running with the kitchen. And they actually put a little addition onto the back mm -hmm. just for a kitchen. Yeah. So yeah. he had one pool table. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and you know, it, it, did, it started off with a bang, I'll say. It did. Right. Because what he did, and like I said, he wanted to go to create a place to entertain. So it was very event driven. Uh, and, and so when they open up in, in August of, of 84, you know, he would have events. I mean, whether it was a Labor Day extravaganza, bash, whatever, it was event driven. And, uh, you know, it, it, it attracted a lot of people. They were eager to find out, number one, the newness, a fresh new place. Mm -hmm. uh, but number two, you know, I think you were talking about Uncle Joe, about he was the first to really bring the lottery. And that it wasn't it wasn't going on did. yet. And, and he brought it to Indies Palestine. Yeah, that's right. When Ohio first got their lottery, yeah. he got one of the first in town. And people from PA would come by. They were lined up four blocks yeah. around to go in and get a lottery ticket yeah because it was it was new it was yeah, a new it was brand new yeah get and rich so, yeah <laughs> they had two people on the lottery machine oh all goodness. day you know aside from tenant bar and you know serving mm -hmm. food and yeah. stuff like and, that and, and the creativity and the entertainer that he was it, he had a plan to provide drinks all the way out the door and down the street you know so <laughs> I mean, they were making out great because it, it was it was a party from the, all the way around the block. Oh my goodness! So whenever he first started, I, I kind of go back to the '80s. Yeah. Uh, the industries that we had in town, the mm -hmm. that would have been like the local factories, the Kemars and yeah. the the Adamsons and the exactly. Chinas, potteries, things like that. Um, they did they come in? Oh. We were still pretty industrial yeah. through those years. Uh, most of the buildings in town, you know, had people in them and the mills were still kind of operating. So it wasn't uncommon at seven o'clock in the morning to see a full bar because people are getting off their night, night turn, turn yeah. coming in and they're having their whiskey or beer or anything before they went home mm -hmm. and went to bed. So. Then you would have the afternoon group would come in, a lot of the retired people, lunch crowd, mm -hmm. afternoon, of course, the day turn, day shifts gets off and they come in for a happy hour. And then at night he would have all through the years, he got all kinds of entertainment. Mm -hmm. The Figley brothers played there. He was, they were kind of the house band mm -hmm. uh, up to like Kenny Rook and Broad played mm -hmm. the piano. Uh, that's another place we forgot about rook and broads right yeah. across the street yeah, it was. yeah. yeah. but uh, he was a public relations guy and a, and a people person and uh, they came from three states to see the shamrock and he would get out and visit all the places around as well sure. and they would come back and see him yeah it was just great 
What about the, you told me about the 99 cent breakfast oh, from those days. Yeah, he always had a special and the 99 cent for breakfast. I think Tim, was it two eggs, a hot dog and toast? <laughs> 99 cents and a cup of coffee. Well, that's a good deal. And I got them in in the morning. And of course, you know, they get other things. Or, yeah. But, uh, but you probably met general bar food, hamburgers, yeah, french fries, yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, you know, my memory of that is that wasn't a very big place. Right. That's a lot of people and a, a lot of services in that to come out of a very, very small facility there. It was. That's why they took the building next. Mm -hmm. We opened up the wall and they made a dining room out of it. Mm -hmm. And then he expanded on his food. He had quite a menu at one time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember coming there to eat a lot. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they they expand the menu. The ninety nine cent breakfast also was that there was a ninety nine cent senior citizen meal yeah. on Tuesday, and 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 again there was something special each day, right? Mm -hmm. That created significance. That drew a different crowd. That's yeah. good marketing. Yeah, yeah. The marketing was right on the money. Mm -hmm. What about um, some of the customers? Anybody that you know was like. A regular like at cheers yeah <laughs> it was like cheers and he welcomed every person from every walk of life you know to the highest yeah i mean you know i don't want to say the class thing but everybody walked in the door was mm -hmm. the same yeah and enjoyed themselves and got along and had a beer and talked and it didn't matter mm -hmm. um they even had their own norm there was norm from shares there was norm from the share we had a norm yeah. there we was a did. real norm he looked just like oh my goodness tom watkins and he's still alive maybe they featured uh, maybe they copied the shamrock to they, create I, cheers they may have. he stood at the end of the bar and big smile yeah. kind of a big kind of guy yeah, yeah always he, had a story yeah he was a restaurateur also Oh, yeah. there's so many classics now you had um a lot of entertainment with yeah. you know you said they liked karaoke so that was whenever karaoke he was did karaoke uh rick whitley he was one of the one of the guys he's still in town and maybe i'll let him know about this podcast because he'd love to tell a few stories about being at the shamrock mm -hmm. right yeah I, I you know it was funny um Karaoke, that's the first time I, I knew of karaoke, right? right? As soon as he found out that became something you could do, really before the computer era, yeah, you know, yeah. in the 80s, yeah. right? You had to have a different karaoke machine, right? Uh, but karaoke became a, a very popular thing because what he wanted to do is have everyone express themselves. Yeah, that was the that was the key to that, you know, get everyone to express themselves and, and have fun while doing it. And people definitely, um, change when they hand up you hand oh, yeah. them a microphone yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even the people that can't sing very yeah. well sing <laughs> everybody had fun yeah yeah that sure. was the purpose yeah, well, right there and then having actual live bands yeah. too oh yeah i mean that's that yeah. was a good thing back in those days too yeah. it was before they had so much yeah. uh cd music and yeah. stuff <laughs> yeah you were asking about regulars i what i can remember you know, when, when he started it, I, I like I said, I was five years old. So I can remember it from five years old up until he was gone. And uh, the first time he had a St. Patrick's Day parade, 
they didn't shut the streets down or anything. He had everybody leave the bar, walk up to the, the Methodist church, and they prayed it all the way down on the sidewalk. <laughs> and he had his own leprechaun. They called him Little Richard. Yeah. Little Richard was not oh, five yeah. feet tall. He was less than five foot tall. But he dressed like a leprechaun, looked like a oh. leprechaun, and he became the leprechaun for the next 10 years. Oh, my goodness. And so he prayed at everybody down the street. And, it, it, I mean, it was it was a real parade as the cars are, are going by and driving around the parade, you know, and which was really a lot of fun until I think finally City Hall said, go ahead, we're going to shut the roads down for you, Joe. You can have your own St. Patrick's Day parade here. It was just for a few blocks, but yeah, nonetheless... Yeah, but that was a Everyone big deal. Everyone turned out for yeah. both sides of the street. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, right down Market Street, uh, up up to the, you know, up probably to the uh, Church of Christ or the library area. Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, you went across the tracks too. <laughs> That's, but yeah, I can I can remember hearing about your St. Patrick's Day parties yeah. Yeah. and this having things out on the sidewalk, and yeah. that was a big deal. That East Palace team yeah. was very well known for their St. Patrick's Day. Parties. St. Patrick's day was not just for the day it was for the week yeah he would put what was normally a christmas tree up in the corner and decorate it all in green yeah. and then the rest of the bar would be decorated in green and, and all kinds of things and uh every night there would be entertainment every night and of course the last big day had a big pot big kettle out on the front street free iris stew Anybody that wanted to come in, and uh, there was somebody manning that at all times. Yeah. It was uh, it was a great event, a big event, and people came from far and away. They got uh, between the the Youngstown stations, the Pittsburgh stations. I mean, he's been on the local news many, many times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for his parties yeah. and amongst other things. Sure, I, it was St. Patrick's Week, not St. Patrick's Day, right? right? I remember going to my seventh grade social studies class, and my teacher said, did you see your grandpa in the paper today? Well, I didn't, you know. He's petitioning to make St. Patrick's Day a national holiday. <laughs> so so they, they did a, a newspaper article on him, and yeah, there was the radio stations and, and the, the TV station drive East Palestine. Before East Palestine was famous for other things. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> they were coming down to, to know about St. Patrick's Week and, and drawing the crowd. You know, they drew a crowd from the Youngstown area mm-hmm. and then over in Pennsylvania, a lot from Pennsylvania, Beaver County, mm-hmm. especially. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was good. But that was a lot of work. I it mean, is. Yeah, being there open in the morning and then staying there all day. I mean, yeah. he must have really, really yeah. loved what 6 he was doing. 6 a.m. to 1 a.m., right? That's correct. 6 a.m. to 1 a.m. Oh, my gosh. That's when he was open. He had uh, Hot Dot Reedy open up at 6 o'clock in the morning, and uh, she would get everything ready and open up the restaurant. And, uh, of course, there would be shifts through the day. There would be three or four shifts. But at one time, the Shamrock employed... 23 women and one man. Wow. Didn't yeah. yeah. And at that, that was pretty good. Not all at one time because, right. you know, everyone would come in shifts and oh. had days off. But that was at its yeah, peak. Throughout the week, 23 women and one man. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's a pretty well, that's, big employer for that time, too. Yeah. 
that yeah. was. Yeah. Especially whenever you were still handling all the industry that we did have in town. Right. Uh-huh. People walk in and different times during the day. How exciting. Now you said it used to be celebrities that came oh, too. Yeah. Tim can tell you the most because he lived every day here, but uh, it was between the Steelers and the Browns. It was a big separation now, half Steeler fans, half Browns fans. The Post-Gazette would come in and do stories and the plain dealer in Cleveland would come in and do stories about this bar. And so people going the ball games from Pittsburgh to Cleveland and vice versa, they would swing by and then I'll let Tim follow up because so many athletes through the years were invited and stopped in there. Yeah, what, what I remember was it was it was halfway between Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Right. That was the halfway point. And and so that would that made it significant. And and I can remember uh number one athletes would come in, but also every time the Browns and the Steelers played each other, half the bar was the Steelers. <laughs> And half the bar was Browns. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine what the raucous that that yeah. created on a Sunday afternoon, twice a year, you know. And and I can remember, um, you know, when, when the Steelers would, would be winning, you would know just by the sound of the roars on this side, right, a touchdown or the other side. But I can remember being probably second or third grade when I found out Ozzie Newsom was going to be there. But it was past my bedtime. So my oh. mom didn't want me to go. <laughs> But my mom's dad, my grandpa, you know, he said, I'm going to pick him up and bring him down. So at nine o'clock at night, he came and picked me up. And I got to go meet Ozzie Newsom and a few other Browns that were there, Cleveland Browns. Yeah. And Ozzie Newsom was the star tight end for the Cleveland Browns. And the Browns were actually good then, right? They were actually making the playoffs <laughs> and almost making the Super Bowl. So right around 1986, 87, when Bernie Kosar was a quarterback, mm-hmm. that's when Ozzie Newsom and and, and a few other Browns came down. And then some of the Browns and Steelers actually play basketball at the high school against some of the that. high school yes. teams. So they, then they'd stop down, and it was co-promoted, always co-promoted with, with the Ford store that was in town, the high school, co-promotion, lots of co-promoting of events to make those events more significant. And that's what we need now, too. Yeah. You know, yes. We need to bring back that feeling and working together. and Collaboration. Know. Yes, because you know. yeah. it was fun. Yeah. I mean, that was a good time. And yes. I'm sure everybody that listened to this or even hears about it is going to be going, oh, I remember that. Yeah. Or, gee, and my whole, the whole gist of my podcast thing is, I didn't know that. Gee, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. And right. they're going to be feel that go, gee, I didn't know that. Yeah. So that yeah. it's wonderful. You guys are just enjoying talking about this. I can see it in your faces. Sure. So, so tell me more. What else is there that... Um, something about a pig oh timmy i'll let timmy do that one because several times we had green pigs and he's got a couple of stories about that yeah well you know the the pig was again it was st patrick's week so they had to find some sort of entertainment each night you know you could only have a band to uh you know once in a while you know every so often so one night it was who can get the greased pig right (laughs) And so the, the, the pig was green, spray painted in green, and, and it was greased. And they'd let that pig come in the back door, and everybody went for it. And it was greased, so it's sliding oh through gosh. your arms, you know. And, and it's slipping and sliding, and they have everybody. And it's the one that could actually wrap that thing up and hold it that won the prize. Oh, my gosh. So, so I can remember uh, 
several years, right? It was grease pig night, right? And everybody would come in to watch this, and, and they'd be jumping off the bar trying to eat the pig. The next thing you know, though, Kate Barkley come in in the morning, and she was the health manager. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, remember uh, I heard Kate, rumors I remember of Kate this, Barkley, Joe. Yes. Uh, I don't think this can happen over there. So it kind of, uh, I think after a year or two, he did away with that. I could say that no so. pigs were injured in that uh, yeah. in that event. I will so. say, <laughs> I will say another time, I remember a horse making its way from the back door through the front door. I know everybody knows him through those years, but uh, Rick Sodergren. Oh my gosh. You remember Rick? Yeah, I remember Rick. He rode it through. <laughs> There's a picture of this out there too, for sure. And uh, I think someone brought a motorcycle through one day. Oh my gosh. Who was that, Tim? I don't know. <laughs> I remember Rick in, in the uh, horse. They just told the story, but I can't remember the name. Yeah. Maybe somebody listening to the podcast, yeah, they'll, they'll, send they'll remember because they may have been there. Yeah. And I'm sure that but if they weren't, they probably was, remember it anyway, because they heard the story. Yeah. So. There was excitement there. I can tell you what kind of an employer he was. So, and I'll call him a servant leader, right? Because what he loved was serving mm -hmm. the community. I mean, the entertainment was in the spirit of service. Right, you know, we want to serve and give people an experience. Mm -hmm. And one time it was hot dot reedy. She had a little few too many that night on Saturday night, and she backed into the wall out back. <laughs> and so the wall come crumbling all over her car. And here's how he dealt with it. This was a disciplinary measures. He put a table out front of the shamrock on Sunday morning as people were going up and down to church, and it was a one dollar. You could come in the front door. And he would give you a tour back to the back to see where Hot Dot Reedy wrecked her car in the wall that he caved in. And that's how he dealt with that situation. <laughs> Made a lot of money that morning. Well, that helps pay for the wall. Yeah. <laughs> that was the wall fund. Oh, that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. So um, what else do you have that you can come up with? You know, I, I, one thing I remember, I, I said it was event driven, right? In, in, in everything, you know, there was St. Patrick's week. And one thing I remember was once I got old enough, everybody came in for Thanksgiving Eve. And that was where the college, anybody that was away from college wanted to come back for Thanksgiving Eve to be at the Shamrock, right? So if, if you're away at college, two, three years out of high school, that was yeah. the place to come Thanksgiving Eve. But he also loved to provide turkey and a Thanksgiving meal for everybody that didn't have a Thanksgiving family. Wow. Mm -hmm. And that was super significant. Right. We talked about, this was an era, right? The Shamrock was in the exact same era as Cheers. In fact, we said that the Shamrock started in 84. Cheers started just a year or two prior to that and lasted almost the same time period. Yeah. And and that song says, you want to go where where people, people know troubles are all the same. Yeah. You want to go where everybody knows your name. A lot of people there didn't have a Thanksgiving family to be with. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to make sure, number one, it was free and that everybody had a Thanksgiving, special oh. Thanksgiving and Christmas. That free is Free ham yep. every Christmas. Always. And it was a Christmas party for anybody that didn't have a family. To Always be put with. food out because people didn't have, like Tim said, yeah. that was their family, oh, was absolutely. those people 
not right. that far. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and we he missed, welcomed them all. Yeah, we miss that kind of stuff. We, yeah, it's it just special. doesn't exist anymore. It's yeah. it's pretty special. Yeah, and they were. Mm -hmm. So, how long was the Shamrock open? They, my father had this. Uh, Tim and I was talking about this before we come over. Probably twenty pretty strong years. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he was about retirement age and a good friend of all of us, uh, Jim Nolf, he threw him a uh, retirement party, which was kind of a semi-retirement party. He was turning the reins over to my brothers, Tim's dad, my brother, Tim, and my other brother, Fred, all of them, Mick, Sparrow, and all the family worked there. A lot of the sister-in-laws, Marlene, Jeanette, uh, Dina, they all went down and worked at one time down there and helped and support. But so then he started turning it over uh, to different people as he was retiring. My mother uh, health became not very good. So she came to Florida where that's where my home was. I was going back and forth many, many years. And uh, so he would come down to Florida for a while and then come back, run the place. But, uh, several people, he turned it over and leased it to, to try to keep it going, uh, to name a few names, uh, a cousin of mine, Jim Mahon, that was local worked for my brother. He took it over for a while. The Cozes did for a year. John Coza, uh, let's see, Tim, yeah, what other name? Roberts. McRoberts, Carol McRoberts managed it and took it over for a little bit. Jim and Carol McCown. That's correct. Yeah. 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 So and unfortunately, it's they just, yeah. yeah. Not that they weren't all fantastic people and everything. My dad had the personality to be there. People came there because he was there or going to be there. If he wasn't there, they may have a drink or two and move on. If my father was there, my mother was there, or a lot of my brothers or something, they would only just, go. but someone was there, there would be a party going on. And, and that's what made the shamrock. Uh, all of my family, mm -hmm. all the, family. yeah, it was a family affair. He had a for sure. shamrock basketball team, a shamrock tug of war team, a shamrock golf, <laughs> you know, group that we play at every right. golf outing. And, and, you know, so it was that, and that family affair, had a big extended family too. Yes, it did. It, it, you know, you, you didn't have to be a figly by birth to be a shamrock right. brother or sister. Right. And, and you could be on one of those teams. And, 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 you know, th those were, those were some good teams. I can remember uh, going to a lot of events where everybody had the green shirts and the shamrock in front and their names in the back. And he made sure everyone had them and, and they were able to, to play. But, but that was another thing that would keep driving you know, driving energy, right? It, it was the energy of it because it was fun, well, right? And, Given identity. And once you were there, then you realized you were part of the family yep. and people need that. Yeah. They need that feeling yep. of belonging and, and being welcome there and knowing that that's where their friends are. Yeah, belonging is a key word. He said at the beginning of the podcast, Uncle Joe said it, about how he invited everybody in. And what I, where this really 
came home to me and I understood the significance of this and his love for people was in 2008 at his funeral. And, and at his funeral in 2008 at Our Lady of Lords Catholic Church here in East Palestine, I remember looking and realizing every aisle was full, every pew was full, the balcony was full, and there were people out the back door. Wow. And I realized, wow, he made such an impression of significance, of really of love. People felt that. And, and every type of person was there, right? I mean, young and old, you know, big and small, every type of person was there. And, uh, and at that funeral, I remember realizing the significance that, that, that he had. Rich and, and poor, too. He, that, I, I yeah. failed to say that earlier. Yeah. Rich and poor, it did not matter. Okay. Yeah, so, so you know, I, for me, it was, it was, I learned a lot when I saw how many people were there and I saw every face. And, um, you know, I, I can remember before the, the funeral, um, they had asked me to give a eulogy on his behalf. And one of the stories I had remembered, probably it gave him the confidence to start the shamrock and to have the entertainment value that he was able to create was that he had taken a course called the Dale Carnegie course, how to win friends and influence people. Oh, I remember that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he, he didn't have a, uh, a high school diploma uh, or, you know, and he didn't have a lot of education when he went into that course, but he stuck it out and he learned a lot. And, and I remember the stories. He did, really didn't have a lot to offer when he was in the course and each week you'd have to give a speech or something. But when it came to, I think, week number eight, you had to give the most unique speech. And he actually gave the most unique speech. Not because he gave the greatest speech, because the whole time he gave the speech, he was standing on his head. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so in order to convey that to everyone at the funeral, I actually stood on my head and gave the eulogy, or at least that part of the eulogy, while telling the story on the oh altar of the Catholic Church. Oh, my goodness. That's probably the first time and last time that's ever been done. That's what Father Dan <laughs> That is a fact. But it was fantastic. So many people come up. Uh, they could have spoke all day. Uh, you know, there were so many people speaking at his uh, funeral. We had an unbelievable wake. We actually had a wake for him in Florida. He just, uh, so many people embraced him in Florida as well because I was there between the friends. He had two wakes and they were huge. We had bagpipers, music for hours and hours and hours. And it's the way the shamrock was when we yeah. brought him back up here. It went on for all day and night it was it was truly uh, uh uh it's my father i'm gonna top my horn about him but he mm -hmm. he was truly a great man he was truly loved by everyone too and that's a, a wonderful legacy to leave yeah, behind it is good memories fun times and everyone having a, a good life yeah. so and barb i hope that a lot of people listen to this podcast <laughs> and call in with a story because yes. I know across the country, not just the community across the country, you're going to have possibly people listen to this. I think Shamrock's the key word. East Palestine. Yeah. And the next yeah. thing you know, 
it's going to blow. We're going to be famous. Right? You will be famous. <laughs> hey, I just uh, record it and put it out there. So That's great. Thank you so much for but inviting I us really in. I really want to thank you guys for coming. Okay. This has been so much fun. Okay. In preparing for this podcast, I went on Facebook and asked if anyone had any comments or memories that they wanted to share about the Shamrock. Heidi Prine Weaver says that she worked there and really misses those days. Renee McCormick also worked there and loved the St. Patrick's Day parties and said that's where she met her future husband, Mike. Mickey Lee loved and misses all the stories. And Marilyn Reedy said the Shamrock was family, not by blood, but by friendship. Elizabeth Dillon said that her mom, Dot Reedy, worked there, so her life and her children's lives were always surrounded by the Figleys, and they were the very best people. Deborah Matus Blair said the Shamrock was the first place that she ever went to see male strippers and thinks she still has the pictures. And John Bender fondly remembers Mick Vigley and Rick Sodegren tending bar, Joe singing from the kitchen, old Blackie Gamble taking the 12 dozen egg challenge from Joe and winning. And it was all about having a good time at the Shamrock. I wanna thank Joe and Timmy for taking time to share their memories. I'm sure that there will be a few, gee, I do remember that moments for some of you. I hope you enjoyed this Flashback Tuesday, and I'll keep working on finding more people to share their flashback memories about the good old days in East Palestine. Thanks for listening, and happy trails. Mm -hmm.